Well, I don't know about you, but I was blessed this past week of revival. Amen. Now, normally you know that I start with a joke, and tonight I have something a little different for you. It's um, somewhat of a, a joke, but it's on the screen. You'll see it in a moment. And the bread says to his wife, do you think I'm going to be the breadwinner while you just loaf all day? You aren't the only slice of toast in the world, Melba. And Melba says, mother warned me not to marry a sourdough. <laughs> so there's something for you to chuckle about. Someone sent that to me, so I thought I would share that with you, all right? If you have your Bibles, would you turn with me to Mark chapter 2, the Gospel of Mark chapter 2. And if you are able to, would you stand as we read God's word? Mark chapter 2, starting from verse 1. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door, and he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralyzed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why did this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up, Take your mat and walk, but that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for this day and for this time together that we can look into your word. And we pray that, Lord, you indeed would speak to our hearts and our minds, that, Lord, you would continue to use your Holy Spirit to guide and to direct us. And we pray, Father, that you would help us to hear from you and to be obedient to respond to your leading. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Feel free to be seated. Thank you. So Jesus had entered Capernaum. And there he went to visit at a house. We see that at this house there, there were so many people that were gathered there already. In verse 2, in fact, it tells us that they gathered in such large numbers that there was no room left, not even outside the door. There was no room left. There were just so many people there. They were left, right, center. There was just crammed in there like a can of sardines. People had gathered from all over to come to see and hear Jesus. 
Now you may wonder, well, why were there so many people? Why did Jesus attract all of these people? You see, everywhere that Jesus went, people heard and saw what he was doing, and it caused them to want to be around him and want to see what was happening. People came because they knew that something was going to happen. They knew that there were things that were going to happen when Jesus was around. So the people piled into this house and they crammed it, knowing and hoping that something would happen. In this story, Jesus entered into a physical home, and today he desires to enter into our home, which is our lives. He desires to enter into each one of our lives. In fact, Revelation chapter 3, verse 20 says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and eat with him and he with me. You see, the Lord desires to have a relationship with each and every one of us. He desires to enter into our very lives. He desires to have a relationship with each one of us. And as believers, we have the privilege of having the Holy Spirit live and dwell inside of us. Did you know that? That we have the privilege of doing that. In the Old Testament, God's spirit was represented by the Ark of the Covenant, and it was a visual symbol of God's spirit with the people. And then we see that in the New Testament, Jesus came, and he gave his son Jesus, in, God gave his son Jesus to be that physical presence of God with us. In fact, that's what he is, Emmanuel, which means God with us. He came to live and to dwell among us, and now he gives us his Holy Spirit, not just to be around us, but to live inside of each one of us who is a believer. And so as a believer, we have the Holy Spirit. And that's why we're sometimes told that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. In other words, we house the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit dwells in each one of us. Are you following me? And so we house the Holy Spirit. And so just as how Jesus entered a physical house in that text there and people gathered around to see him, he desires to enter into each one of us. And today, I want to suggest to you some things that happen when God is in the house. When God enters into us and he lives and he dwells inside of each one of us. When we truly have his Holy Spirit inside of each one of us. You see, when he shows up, when he is in the house, first of all, you have to tell others you have to tell others about it. You cannot keep it to yourself. You see, when we are filled with God's spirit, when things begin to happen, when things begin to change and we are transformed, we cannot keep it to ourselves any longer, but we have to tell others about it. You know yourselves that when good things and exciting things happen to you, it's very difficult to keep it a secret. It's very difficult to contain it. You want to tell others about it. You want to brag about it. You want to share the good news. You want to boast about it. You want others to know the amazing things that have happened to you in your life. And having Jesus Christ in your life, having God actually in you is one of those things that we just cannot keep to ourselves. But we have to. In fact, we are commanded to go into the world and to tell others 
about Jesus. This week, I was personally challenged on my own spiritual life and how much I do this. And so as much as I am telling this to you, I'm challenging myself as well. How often do we go out of our way to tell others about Jesus? When we meet other people, is it not so easy to talk to people about politics, about the weather, about sports, about world events and all these things, but how often does Jesus come up in that conversation? Think about it. May we intentionally bring up Jesus. May we intentionally talk about it. Now you may say, wait, Pastor Lisa, I'm not prepared like you. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't study God's word the way you and the other pastors may have done. And that's okay. You see, people can dispute different things about the Bible, about Christianity, about all of that. But what they cannot dispute is what God has done in your life. And so I challenge you to tell other people about Jesus. Tell them how Jesus has changed and transformed you. Tell them about how he has come through for you time and time again. Tell them about the good things that he has done in your life, that he has done in your family's life, how he has saved you, how he has helped you, how he has blessed you, how he has given you wisdom and guidance and direction, how he's provided for you when you didn't know where it would come from. Tell them about what he has done in your life. Tell people about Jesus. This house that Jesus was in got filled up so quickly. People knew that Jesus was going to be there, and they wanted to see and hear what was going to happen. You see, in the previous chapter, in chapter 1, the Gospel of Mark, we see that Jesus encounters a man with leprosy. And he heals this man. And at the end of that chapter, it says in verses 43 and 45, it says this. Jesus sent him away at once with strong warning. See that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the sacrifices that Moses commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But instead, he went out and began to talk freely, spreading the news. You see, Jesus himself told the man, don't tell anyone about this. And he had his own reasons as to why he said, don't tell anyone. But this man was so excited that he was healed, that he was cured about what happened to him, that he went and talked freely about what Jesus had done in his life. So much so that the word spread, and that is part of the reason we see that this house now, when he entered again, Capernaum, was full. People heard Jesus was coming back. Jesus, the same one who healed the leper, the same one who did this, the same one who did that, and they came. You see, when we tell people about Jesus, we're telling them about what we've experienced. We're telling them about what he has done in our own lives, and people will come hungry. They'll come thirsty, thinking, I need that. I want that. I want to see for myself, but we have the obligation and we have the responsibility of first telling people about Jesus, telling them about what he has done in our lives. No matter where you are, don't keep it a secret. Be eager to talk about what Jesus has done for you. Talk about it with the people when you're waiting at the doctor's office, when you're waiting in line at the grocery store, when you're walking around or sitting down at the mall, at the gym, at the office, at the coffee shop, over lunch, 
at the dinner table, wherever you find yourself, tell others about Jesus. Do your part in telling others about Jesus. You see, once we do that, then we allow the Holy Spirit to work in them. It's not our responsibility to save people, but it is our responsibility to give them that opportunity to get to know Jesus. And so may you and I do our best to lead people and tell people about Jesus and what he has done. So the people were there waiting to see Jesus and waiting to hear from them, and he was in the house. You see, when God is in the house, secondly, he speaks to us. When he is in us, he speaks to us, his people. In the second part of verse 2, it says, and he preached the word to them. He spoke When God is in our midst, he speaks to us. You see, we serve a God who is alive, a God who speaks. From the very beginning of time, God spoke creation into being. He is a God who speaks. He does not stay quiet, but he speaks to us. And many times while he speaks, we may not be listening. We may think God is not speaking, but maybe the problem is maybe we're not listening. He says, my sheep hear my voice. Do you hear the voice of God? Do you understand when he speaks to you? Do you understand when the spirit is leading you? Because if you don't, then we need to spend more time with him and get to know his voice. Every time the Lord speaks, he has something to say and we need to listen. The people that gathered in the house that day, some came out of curiosity just to see what this was all about, but others came because they experienced and they witnessed for themselves firsthand what Jesus had done. No matter the reason, no matter who we are, he is able to speak to us. So he comes in and he preaches the word to the people. He comes in and he tells them what he needed to say to them. Jesus today speaks to us in many different ways. He speaks to his people, us, in so many different forms. He can speak through pastors and teachers, friends and family. He speaks through his creation. He speaks through books and songs. He speaks through his word. He speaks through so many different people. And we need to understand that he continues to speak When Jesus is in the house, when God is in the house, he speaks to us. Think about it. When you look at God's word, it is full of times where he has spoken to his people time and time again. Times where they didn't expect it, but he spoke. Moses was at in the wilderness, and he encountered him in a burning bush and spoke to him. God showed up and he spoke to Moses. Isaiah says that he had a vision of God in the temple and asked, who can I send? And he said, send me, here I am, send me. God showed up and he spoke to Isaiah. Saul was on the road to Damascus, a hater and a persecutor of Christians. God showed up and spoke to him. He changed and he transformed him in the most unexpected way, in the most unexpected place. You see, we serve a God who speaks, a God who has something to say to us. He has something to say to each one of us. And so I ask you, what has God been saying to you? 
What has God been saying to you? You know, I don't know if you know any people like this, but there are times where people may say something to you and you may not like it, right? There are times where people may say something to us and we may not like it, and so we may pretend we don't hear it or we may hear it and kind of brush it off or ignore what is said and whatnot, right? You may have family members or friends who you may just ignore what they say or think, oh, that's not relevant and whatnot. You see, there are times where God's Spirit speaks to us, and just like that, there are times where we too brush it off, times where we ignore the leading of the Holy Spirit, times where we say, no, that's not for me. I must not be hearing right, or I'm too tired to do that, or I don't have enough money to do that, or how could God expect that from me? But we need to be in tune with God's Spirit that when he speaks, may we be willing to answer, maybe we be willing to hear him and to answer whatever he may be saying. Some of you may be thinking, I've never heard from God. I don't know what you're talking about. I hear people talk about this all the time, but I don't hear from God. How is that possible? You see, there are times where we have to understand that God does not necessarily speak to us in a loud, audible voice in the way that I'm speaking to you today. And so if that's what you're waiting for and looking for and listening for, then you may never hear from him. But you have to understand that God oftentimes nudges our spirits. He nudges at our hearts and our spirits, and he speaks through different ways and different methods. Sometimes we feel led to do something or we feel convicted about something, or we feel the Lord leading us, or an opportunity takes place, or he confirms things through many different people or circumstances. He speaks in different ways to us, his people. Have you been listening for him speaking? And if so, what is he saying to you? Are we being obedient to what God has been saying to us? Charles Stanley, a a famous pastor, wrote, because you didn't hear God, Don't assume that he didn't speak. We can't hear him if we are distracted when he is speaking to us or we're busy writing grocery lists, sending text messages, sending emails or answering cell phone calls in the middle of the preacher's sermon. There has to be an awareness and a sensitivity to the power and the presence of God. Just because we didn't hear him doesn't mean that he doesn't speak. When God is in the house, He speaks to us, his people. When God is also in the house, he cleans up what's there. When God comes in, he cleans up what's there. Now, I have to tell you that I love to clean. I don't know what what it is. I just, I love to clean. I love to organize things. I like to clean it up. And in fact, most of the times on my day off in the morning, I'll get up early and I'll clean. Like that's the first thing that I want to do and get out of the way. And and yeah, declutter, throw things out. Like I like to see things organized. I'm the kind of person, I cannot function in chaos or in a mess. Okay, I don't know if it's because of my OCD, you know, whatever it is, but that's the kind of person I am. And it drives me crazy if, you know, my family members, they clean up a spot and I'll go and I'll say, it's not clean. You know, to them it may be clean, but to me it's not. So, you know, I'll go and I'll say, just leave it, I'll do it. Or, you know, they do it and I just kind of go over it again, you know, do my own thing. But to me, when I clean, I go deep. Okay? I go deep. When I clean, I go deep. And what I mean by that is, 
you know, people will just sweep past here. But I'm the kind of person as I get the furniture moved out, I go under the beds, I go on top of the ledges, I go, I go deep, right? This is not just surface cleaning I'm talking about. And so as I was doing that the other day, I thought to myself, isn't this what God does? He comes into our lives and he doesn't just clean up the parts that other people see, that, you know, the, the surface areas, but he goes deep. He goes into the parts of our lives where is hidden, where other people don't see, where we often don't even think of, but he cleans it out. He wants to go into the very nooks and crannies of our life and clean out all the dust, all the things that have been there for years, all the junk that's piled up, and he wants to clean it out. You see, when God shows up and he is in the house, he cleans up what's there. He wants to clean up the very things that we often don't think about or that we cannot clean up ourselves and we need his help to do. In verse 5, it says, When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralyzed man, Son, your sins are forgiven. You see, this paralyzed man came with a physical need for God. He came for a physical need for healing. What he needed more than a physical healing was his sins being forgiven. He needed that spiritual healing. You see, that's something he could not do on his own. And when we come to God and when we allow him into our lives, he does the very things in us that we cannot do for ourselves, and he makes us clean. He forgives us of our sins. He cleans up and helps us to overcome the bad habits and the addictions and the things that have been haunting us for years and the things that we've been holding on to. He makes us his children and adopts us into his family. He gives us the gift of eternal life, the very things we cannot do for ourselves. He wants to get in there and get it clean. So he says to the sick man, he sees his need and he sees that obviously he cannot walk and he needs to be physically healed. But before a physical healing takes place, he says to him, your sins are forgiven. You see, the immediate need and the, the present need was the physical healing. But even more so that was needed was the actual physical and spiritual healing to take place. You see, our physical bodies are temporary and our souls are eternal. And we needed to, he needed to get right with the Lord and he needed to be forgiven. You see, before anything else can take place in our life, we need to get right with the Lord. We need his forgiveness. We need him to clean up the very things that we cannot do on our own. And so he forgives him of his sins and deals with the spiritual aspect of his life first and then gets to the physical part of the healing. So he forgives him. He forgives him and cleans him up in that. Now, keep in mind, and this is just a side note, that this man who came to Jesus for healing did not come on his own. 
He could not come on his own. He was paralyzed. He needed the help of his friends in order to get to Jesus. And this is a reminder to us that there are times, and we don't even know if the man himself wanted to come, but his friends brought him. There are times where we will have family members, friends, people that we know who they may not be able to come themselves to Jesus. They may not be able to have the faith to come to Jesus on their own, and they need us. That's why we need to pray and to intercede for other people. That's why we need to invite them to church, and we can't just stop at if they say no, but we need to pray that the Lord would give us another opportunity to invite them to something else or to bring them to something that will plant that seed. These people brought their friend to Jesus. If they didn't bring him, chances are he may never have gotten to Jesus. We need to do our part in helping to bring others to Jesus. We need to do our little part in carrying that mat and bringing people to Jesus. Do your part, whatever that may be. It took four of them. It took four of them to bring, them to Je- to bring him to Jesus. Do your part in bringing others to him as well. So this man comes and Jesus sees that he needs a physical healing, but gives him a spiritual healing first and then deals with the physical need. And then we see point four, when God is in the house, things happen. Verses 10 to 12 say, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the man, this is Jesus speaking, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of all of them. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, we have never seen anything like this. You see, Jesus first forgave the man of his sins. And so the religious leaders sat there and thought to themselves, blasphemy, how could anyone but God forgive sins. Jesus, of course, knew what they were thinking and and thought of that. And so not only did Jesus forgive sins, but he says, which is easier to say? What's easier to say? That your sins are forgiven or, or get up, take your mat and walk? You think about it, which is easier to say? They're both very difficult. You see, the, the thing that you cannot see is the sins that have been forgiven. The actual thing that you could see and witness is the actual physical miracle of healing taking place. But Jesus gives them both. He says, which is easier to see? I've already forgiven him, but you know what? Get up. Take your mat and walk. Not only am I going to give him the thing he cannot see and the thing you cannot see, but I'm also going to show you the power and the authority that God has. Get up, take your mat, and walk. You see, when God is in the house, things happen. Things begin to happen. Things that we never thought could happen. Things that we never dreamt could happen. Things that we never imagined. The God that we serve is more powerful, more powerful than we could ever understand. He is beyond understanding. Our minds can't even fathom the amount of resources, the amount of power, the amount that he is able to do. We will never be able to understand, but he is more than able. When God is in us, in and through us, things can happen. So this man, 
stood up and he took his mat and he went out. The man came paralyzed and he left praising. He came paralyzed and he left praising. When we come into the presence of God and we allow him into our lives, things will no longer be the same. There's a song that says, in the presence of Jehovah, troubles vanish, hearts are mended. You see, things change when we get into God's presence. When we are truly in his presence, we cannot be the same. We cannot be left the same. One preacher wrote about this story, about this man. He was lying down when he came in, but he was standing up when he left. He came in secretly through the roof, but he left openly through the door. He was a paralyzed sinner when he entered, but he was a powerful saint when he made his exit. The thing that is the bed that once carried him, he now carried that thing. He didn't need a bed any longer because he received his breakthrough. He didn't need any help on the way out for he had received his healing on the way in. You see, God healed him. And he is more than able to do for us what we need. I don't know what it is that you are going through. I don't know what it is that you are carrying around and holding on to. But I do know that when God is in the house, you have to tell others about it. He speaks to us that he wants to come in and clean up what's there. The things that we cannot clean up on our own. And that when he is in the house, things happen. Burdens are removed, deliverance takes place, healing happens, sins are forgiven, people come to church more often, people show concern for other people, and we truly learn what love is. When God is in us, things happen. Let us pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you, God, for the example that you have set for us. And we pray that, Lord, whatever circumstance these believers may find themselves in today, that, Lord, you would remind us that it is in and through you that we can accomplish great things. And so, Father, I pray that you would be so evident and close to us, that you would come into our hearts and our lives, that if there are some here tonight who have never invited you in, that they would make that decision to do so. Or maybe some have invited you in many years ago, but you are still standing at the front door, still waiting for them to fully and truly invite you into the whole place, into their whole home, into the rest of their lives. And I pray, Father, that they would, that they would invite you in to see that you are able to change and to transform and to clean up the very things that need to happen. And so, Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the truth that is contained. And we pray that, Lord, you would help us to do our part in leading others to Jesus, in telling others about what you've done in our lives and about getting excited for the way that you have changed and saved us. In your name we pray, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you.